0: Welcome to the Synergist Podcast, the most man-centered theology podcast on the internet by God's providence. I'm Thomas, and today I have the pleasure of in- interviewing Bonnie Christian, author of A Flexible Faith, Rethinking What It Means to Follow Jesus Today. Thanks for being with us, Bonnie.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh,
0: so, Bonnie, uh, tell just tell us a little bit about you, your background, um, and then sort of what led you to to write this book before we start talking about it.
1: Sure. Um. So I'm a, a writer. Most of the writing I do on a weekly basis is more about news and politics um, than it is about theology. Uh, I have a couple sort of long-term things. I'm a foreign policy fellow um, at a think tank called Defense Priorities and an editor at a news magazine called The Week. Um, I run the website on the weekends, uh, which makes for the very confusing sentence of, I'm a weekend editor for The Week. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, A Flexible Faith is my first book, um, published, uh, I guess actually last year now, which is weird to say, um, and I, I wrote it, uh, sort of out of a, a, desire to, to write to two audiences, one being, um, Christians like myself, who maybe have been in the church for a long time, maybe your whole life, um, but don't really um, had not really been given a, a broad understanding of sort of the church universal and and sort of um, Orthodoxy in in its in the big picture like what other Christians believe why they believe it um, Why we differ from them um, where those differences matter where they're less important um, but then I also wanted to write for um, Christians who Are in a season of questioning or, or doubt um, maybe are no longer comfortable um or feel like they can't with with intellectual integrity stay in the the church context with which they're most familiar and to say to those people you know the one church that you know about and that you know is now um become a a a uncomfortable place for you that's not the whole church there's a lot of other (laughs) church out there and let's take a look at that and see um what that's like and so I got to work on this when I finished uh, seminary in 2016, um, and uh, here we are.
0: And where did you go to seminary?
1: I went to Bethel Seminary in the Twin Cities, um, maybe most famous for being the site, I think, in the early 2000s, before my time, of the big uh, John Piper versus Greg Boyd fight <laughs> over uh, providence and and God's uh, knowledge of the future and stuff. Yes,
0: yes. Um, so to put you on the spot. Where do you fall on that uh, on that debate between uh, open theism and and God's providence?
1: I am I'm much more on the the Greg Boyd end of the spectrum.
0: I am too. Um, and as uh, as you probably know, uh, we this this. Podcast sort of started out as an anti-Calvinist podcast. We don't want to keep it there, but that was sort of the <laughs> <laughs> sort of the uh, um, driving factors. We, we there was a whole bunch of um, you know really prominent pod, uh, Calvinist podcasts out there. Like, oh, well, we should do something that's not Calvinist. So I think that's great. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, um, having having Boyd write the the forward to my book probably probably gave away where I fall. Um, I will say though, Calvinists I think are very good at. Um, like their messaging or they, they, they write a lot of books. They do a lot of podcasts. They really have their act together in that way.
0: They do. They are really good at, um, marketing and presenting sort of a unified front. I think, I think we non Calvinists could, could learn from that. Um, so I want to read uh, something from your introduction to the book here, uh, just to sort of set the stage as we talk about it. You say, uh, Church history is full of one argument after another, as faithful Christians have sincerely and yet vehemently disagreed with one another about a huge range of issues, from the meaning of communion to what hell is like, from why we pa- from why we practice baptism to, yes, what women should be allowed to do in the church. Um, and so one of the things that you do in this book is... Just chapter after chapter, you take on some of the most controversial issues uh, in, in Christianity today. I mean, things that people have written um, monographs on, uh, on both sides, and you sort of distill it down and present um, sort of the upshot of each of you so that people can get uh, a, a, what I feel like, having read through it, a very fair understanding of both sides of the issue. Is that what your goal was?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good summary. Um, There are other books out there, and and Greg Boyd himself actually wrote Across the Spectrum, which is in some ways similar in format um, in that it it goes through a number of issues um, and sort of explores the options like this. And there are also like book-length treatments. I think Zondervan has a a series where it'll be like four views on hell and it's an entire book looking just at that. Um, And those are fantastic. And I, I love those and have referenced those. Um, but what I was hoping to do was provide something that you can read with, you know, no theological background, um, to speak of, and that you can read uh, a chapter in a single sitting, you could read a chapter in a, like a small group or Bible study context without anybody having to do reading in advance, because let's be honest, nobody's doing reading in advance. Um, and so, yeah, the aim was to, to keep things super simple, super understandable, Um, Of course, then, you know, as you mentioned, the question of like, trying to be fair and trying not to oversimplify or or present like a caricature was like one of the biggest challenges of writing it.
0: I feel like you, you did a good job with that, having been familiar with with many of these um arguments and read books on on both sides i feel like you you've done a good job presenting a a fair assessment even when you then come out and, and share your position it still feels like you were fair and charitable to to every side so i want to commend you for that
1: thank you and i think in a in a few cases um for more controversial things or for things where there was some question like i was reading what i'd written and thinking you know people are not going to to think that that is accurate. They're going to think that that's, you know, exaggerated and, and, and Bonnie's just writing it this way because she doesn't believe it and she wants to make it look bad. Um, I would try to present a quote from, you know, someone who, who actually is an originator or a, a, a main propagator of that perspective. And I think we've, In the the section on Calvinism, I ended up using a quote from Calvin himself to just be like, no, this is really what it is. This is not, you know, me trying to to stereotype Calvinists like this is what Calvin said.
0: Right, right. And I I think you did a good job with that. Just so our our listeners um, sort of get a picture, I'm going to read a couple of the the questions you addressed, the chapter titles, so they can see the breadth of what you've done here. Uh, you start out with what does it mean to say the Bible is God's word? You know, simple, simple question, right? <laughs> one or two paragraph answer. <laughs> um, but ma- major point of debate. Um, does God plan everything that happens is chapter two. Um, how does Jesus dying mean that we can be saved? You take on the atonement in one chapter and you do a good job. Um uh, does being a Christian mean you can stop sinning? So sanctification. Um, why do we have to get baptized? Lots of debate about that. Uh, what does the Lord's Supper mean? Um, you know, everybody agrees there, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, can Christians be violent? Should Christians vote? Uh, once you're saved, is it permanent? These are all uh, chapters that you address. Uh, so for for somebody who uh, is looking for... Um, you know, one single resource that addresses lots of the major, um, questions and points of debate. I think, I think you have done a good job and not only that, but you provide lists for further reading in each chapter. Um, so who, if, who would you want to hand this book to, or who would you want to say like, this is my target audience? Who are you really trying to reach with this?
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) So my target audience, if you've been to you know seminary, is probably not you. It's going to be simple and familiar. Um, I would say it's it's more just sort of your average person in in the pews, um, who you know hasn't has an interest in theology, but probably doesn't have time to be out there reading you know big theological tomes. Um, and so the the idea with the reading list was, you know, for that person, if there is an issue that they they come across that they really want to dig into deeper here's a place to start because it, it can be very daunting to sort of figure out like we have two thousand years of writing on this subject which ones should I read right um, and so yeah my my audience is, is very much like the the layperson um, the person who has questions about uh, really what else is out there beyond just sort of the the slice of church tradition that's familiar to you
0: which I think can be really helpful especially um, I, I don't know what kind of church background you grew up in but I grew up in a um, more fundamentalist group and so I just I wasn't really aware um, of the the breadth and the diversity of, of Christian thought out there um, and when I started reading outside of that tradition uh, sometimes it, I mean it can be a little a little disconcerting but also a little liberating um, and So to have one single resource like this that, that provides all of that, it reminds me, um, I, I'm not going to be able to quote this verbatim because I don't have it in front of me, but when I started reading um, and realizing some of these debates, I came across a quote from John Wesley. I believe he was writing a, a letter to a friend about, I think, I think it had to do something with Calvinism, but I, I don't remember for sure. And he says something to the effect of, I realize that you believe this. Uh, what you must realize is that there are other Christians, good and holy men who believe differently and you are as obliged to bear with them as they are to bear with you. Um, you know, and that, that was liberating for me coming from a, a fundamentalist type background that, okay, like just because somebody believes something differently about this category than me doesn't mean that they're outside of the, the faith and the tradition. Um, What are your, what's your input on that? Your thoughts on that having gone through this?
1: I mean, I I think if I'd known about that quote, I would have included it in the book. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, it's true. And, and I think it's, we're in a weird space because, you know, for thousands of years of church history, you wouldn't necessarily sort of just as the, like, you know, if you're not Thomas Aquinas or some big theologian, you're not necessarily going to be encountering a lot of these disagreements. Um, And certainly, you know, that's not to say people weren't aware of of differing theology. but um I don't think it was the same as it is now where like modern even just communications technology and and transportation even like brings us into proximity with people with so many different viewpoints all the time. And we also have this increasing desire to be, to categorize ourselves very clearly. And we like to say like, you know, who's a heretic and who <laughs> needs to be like, who is not in our club.
0: Um, who are we gonna we have, farewell today, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and we have so much more awareness of like all these options of people that we could call heretics. Um, and so it's it's very difficult to maintain that that spirit of charity and that, that willingness to say, you know, there are core, issues, there are core aspects of, of being a Christian that we agree upon, and I am not going to, you know, try to kick you out of the faith because you disagree with me on these these other issues, even though, you know, I have very good reasons for believing you're wrong.
0: Sure, sure. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but everything that you address in this book, it seems you believe that... that any of the positions held can be held in good faith within the Christian tradition.
1: Yeah, this is not like I'm not addressing. Is Jesus God? Like that's that's not really something you can argue about or disagree with, and, and still consider yourself a Christian, right? That's pretty definitional. Um, this is all stuff more at the level of like I think can even coexist within a single congregation. Um, you know, I've I've been to to congregations where I've disagreed with, with other people even with the pastors on some of these questions and they've been fine with that um, so yeah this, the the sort of que- questions that I'm looking at and and saying you know there are dis- legitimate disagreements and legitimate options on this within orthodoxy they're not those real high level questions that are, are very fundamental to what is Christianity at its most basic level
0: what was your what, what do you think is your most important chapter? If you had to, I know that's like picking your most, <laughs> your, your favorite child, right? But, um, <laughs> but if you had to pick one, uh, what, what do you think is the most important one for, for today, for right now?
1: Oh man. Um, I mean, at a personal level, I would say the chapter on atonement probably, um, that's what I wrote my master's thesis on and it's been really important for my own faith, um, the, the different stories of atonement I think are something that we we sort of tend to talk about and, and mix up in a really lazy way in church. Um, and, and I say lazy, but that's not always fair because I think often we, we don't even many Christians don't even know that there are different ways to talk about this. There are different <laughs> theories on this subject and you know there, we'll sing one hymn that's clearly operating from one perspective and then the next hymn is from a, a, another very different perspective that's not really compatible. And nobody notices. Um, in terms of like a, a broader, like in this moment thing, I don't know. Maybe one of like the chapters on how we should be engaging in politics, um, or uh, I think the on a more micro level with the um, the situation back in December with the um, the would be missionary who was killed uh, uh-huh. in India. The chapter on the destiny of the unevangelized is, is very timely as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, did anything surprise you reading uh, writing this? Was Did you come across something that you, you didn't know that, that really just sort of caught you off guard or surprised you in either a, a good or a bad way?
1: You know, I, I don't think I realized... I don't think I, I really... Fully understood the the like sort of Wesleyan Methodist holiness tradition views on sanctification. Okay. Um, I think I was more familiar with, um, I don't know, sort of stereotypes of that. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's a much more nuanced view than like they just think you're instantly perfect, right? right. Which is how um, we other <laughs> Protestants sometimes tend to talk about it. Um, <laughs> So there was that one. Um, Other than that, I I will say that, and this wasn't necessarily like a a surprising thing, but the really digging deeper into sort of the sacrament versus ordinance debate around communion and and, uh, baptism made me recognize um, sort of my own, I don't know if ambivalence is quite the right word for it, but... I think either if, if I found out that either of those was the true one, I wouldn't be too surprised by that. Like, I think there's good arguments, really good arguments on both sides of that one. Um, and uh, it's particularly interesting. I'm I'm a Mennonite now, so I'm in an Anabaptist tradition. Um, and so I maybe shouldn't say that I have any ambivalence about baptism, but.
0: <laughs> you know, it, um, It's actually really interesting. Uh, There there seems to be, I I don't have a huge sphere of people that I talk to, but the people that I do talk to on social media and um, Twitter, especially all that, there seems to be this gravitation towards a a Mennonite, Anabaptist sort of um, theology, especially in terms of like politics and nonviolence, but with a desire for more sacramentality, um, and I've encountered this with with several different people, um, and so it, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I think there's a lot of stuff, like, oh yeah, I really like I like the the bent towards nonviolence. I love the Jesus-centeredness of the Anabaptist tradition and the Mennonites, um, but maybe there is room for infant baptism right (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know or or, so it's interesting i I think that with like you talked about with transportation and now social media and technology we're seeing this this new sort of ecumenicism that that um just wouldn't have been possible in any other age but people are are blending maybe sort of the the best of of every tradition together
1: yeah and i think excuse me i think in general that's a a good thing. Um, I do think there's maybe room for a little bit of caution just in terms of um, we maybe want to grab things we like from here and there. And then, well, one of two things can happen that would be unfortunate. One is that we then find ourselves sort of incapable of finding a, a, quote unquote, perfect physical congregation to be a part of. And then we're, you know, outside of community because we have this grab bag of beliefs that that know there's not there's not enough there's not you know 100 other people in our area who think the same thing and so it's like <laughs> oh well I, I guess I just can't go to church right, um, right, right. but the other is that you know it, it can be tempting to to not really think through you know are these things that I'm putting together coherent with one another um and so you know even in as much as I've presented like there are all these different options that you can have within this book. Um, does isn't, and yes, you you could go through and pick whatever you wanted from each chapter. That doesn't necessarily mean that there, like, there, there are things that are related to one another. And, and, you know, sometimes you can't, uh, combine some of these things because they they just don't make sense together.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Um, so one of the other features of your book, not only do you address all of these questions, um, but you also introduce us uh, systematically to um, thinkers in the early church, some of our you know patristic writers um, in appropriate places, as well as you introduce us to people, actual real life representatives of different Christian traditions, doing a sort of Q and A with them. Uh, what was your favorite part of, of all of that? Who, do, who did you really enjoy um, interviewing or getting responses back from or what surprised you from that part?
1: Yeah, the, the Q&As were super interesting um, just in terms of like, you know, who I was able to talk to, um, people that I would never encounter in, in everyday life and that most of us would never encounter in everyday life. Um, I really enjoyed the interview uh, in terms of like her personal story with the, the very first Q&A in the book, um, which is Claire Stober, who is a member of the Bruderhof um, which is a common purse community, and they're um, of an Anabaptist ilk as well. They're mostly located, I, I want to say, in like upstate New York. Um, they they're, they sort of are, are reminiscent of like the Amish in that if you looked at like the women do have head coverings, um, but they use technology and and they're they're not sort of cut off from the world in that way. And so Claire's uh, personal story I thought was super fascinating. Um, as she came from like a, a much more corporate life, and now she she lives in this common purse community where she they pool all their money together. It was quite the transformation. Um, but honestly, all of them I I really enjoyed um, because I, I I could have you know sort of just written up little profiles of these things, but there's something. So fascinating about hearing it in participants own words, why they are living their faith this way um, and and what they see as their movement or uh, denomination or what have you's sort of contribution to the broader church.
0: I, I enjoyed reading those. I um, I found myself, you know, Googling Bruderhof community and all of that as I read through some of these things. So it was neat to, um, again, letting people share their tradition in their own words just leads to uh, a fair and honest look, which, which, to be honest, just doesn't happen uh, a lot. People have their, their positions and their viewpoints, and there's a lot of polemics. And so um, letting people tell their story in their own words and, and putting it all in one resource, I think... Um, I think the, I'd like to see more people get their hands on this. Um. <laughs> Thank you. I
1: How? hope so. <laughs> my, my publisher would like that also. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, well, we'll definitely link it uh, in, in the show notes for everybody who's listening and, and promote it on the, um, you know, on our social media feeds. Uh, what has been the response so far uh, from, from people who have read it, good and bad?
1: Um, generally positive, actually. I was... To be honest, and I was just talking with a friend about this a couple of days ago, I was a little concerned that, you know, because they are so organized and good at messaging <laughs> that there would maybe, you know, some of like the young, restless, reformed, I don't know if that's a term we use anymore, but like that <laughs> crowd would um, be dissatisfied with me and have some things to say. Um that really hasn't happened, I, and so you know I hope that's a sign that I, I have been fair to these other viewpoints because there there haven't been a lot of complaints. Um, the response has been uh, overwhelmingly positive, and uh, I I sort of think it's it's the sort of thing that will maybe take some some time to to hear about. I guess long term effects for people, especially for people who are coming to. Uh, to reading it in a place of, of maybe like a personal crisis of faith that um, it may take some time to really hear you know what was the the impact for you beyond the, just the initial read. Um, but yeah I've been I've been very uh, pleased and, and, and happy to hear uh, the the feedback that I've gotten so far. Um, I, I did hear there was one uh, Catholic reviewer who apparently Uh, the way I described holy orders wasn't quite right. Um, I guess you, you don't use that term quite as broadly as I used it or something. I don't remember the details right now, but, um, of all the things that, that could have been wrong, it was, it was a fairly minor thing. And I was, uh, kind of relieved that that was, that was his big nitpick.
0: Well, that's, that's, uh, good to know. Um, I'm, so that leads to the next question. If, uh, if you could go back in hindsight and change anything, either add a chapter or, or delete a chapter, change anything, is there anything that you would change?
1: Oh, man, just a week ago I found the first typo. Um, so there's that. Um, it's, uh, it was supposed to be goodwill as like two separate words and it's goodwill as one word. Um, on, a, on a larger scale... I don't. I don't think that this is something that I could have done the way that I would want to do it at the time that I was writing this. If, however, I were to issue, if there were to be like a second edition ten years down the line or something, I think the uh, transgenderism would probably warrant a chapter. Um, I have a chapter on same-sex marriage, but I think that that is increasingly becoming a a topic of of conversation and debate among Christians as well. Um, and I say that I, I don't think I could have done it justice when I was writing this. Um, in in significant part because of the the resources and, and reading lists to learn more at the end of the chapter. Um, there are I think are not nearly so many, especially popular level, like accessible books on the subject of of transgenderism and Uh, the church and theology in the way that there are um, on a lot of these other topics. And those are maybe starting to come out Mm -hmm. now. Um, But when I was writing, there were not so many. Um, And so just in terms of like representing the positions fairly and have, being able to send people to the right places to read in greater depth. I don't think that I could have done it quite the way I would have wanted to, but maybe in a future edition, that would be something that should be included.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. Is there, is there anything else about the book that, that we haven't covered that you want to um, talk about or make sure it gets out there? Or you want people to know about it?
1: Oh, man, um, that's so broad.
0: <laughs> I know. Um, uh,
1: I I guess I, I would just say that my, my hope for it, and I've, I've mentioned this already, but is just that it would be a theology text that, that you can read that that should not be intimidating that it yes it's covering a lot of topics yes these are big topics um but that i have worked very hard and have gotten feedback from people that hopefully i've succeeded in making it something that that literally i think anyone can can understand and you know there may be one or two terms that that throw you. But for the the most part, this is something that, that anyone, even I would say kids like as young as 12 or 13 could easily read this if they're having questions and you know, you do, I think often in those teen years start to ask these questions. Um, this is something that would work. Um, part of the, the reason that I wrote it um, was because my own uh, history with Christian education um I found that like all the other classes would be great and then the the class on theology was just not There wasn't much to it because there's sort of an assumption that you know Anyone who's a Christian can teach the Bible class because what Mm -hmm. other qualification do you need? Um, And you know, there's this perpetual worry, I think uh, among many adult Christians, you know, like it's sort of the the God's not dead scenario, right of your kid goes off to college and encounters these terrible atheist professors and loses their faith um, well the I think you know the answer to that is is not whatever happened and God's not dead because that was a terrible movie <laughs> um, but it, to, to tell them about you know more of the church like just don't give give people one little small slice of the faith when there's like this whole pie and there's like so much more to know about and it, it benefits us to know about these other ways of following Jesus. Um, you know, even if you s- never leave your denomination, like you go through the whole book and it's like, yep, I'm right where I should be, like I'm firm in my convictions. There may be even spiritual practices that other traditions are doing that can be enormously helpful that you wouldn't encounter among your own tradition. Uh, and and that's worthwhile. It's worth knowing about these things.
0: I think that's, I think that's really great. Um. That that quote that's often attributed to to John Wesley, although it, it probably didn't come from him, um, you know, in, in essentials unity in uh, in non essentials liberty in all things charity. Um, and I think you've done a good job giving people room to to have some some liberty and some charity with with these non essentials. Um, I wanna I wanna close with one of your quotes again from your introduction. Uh, I just because I think it's so good and I think it helps. You know, for, for anybody who's here you say I don't want to see Christians becoming nuns because they've been falsely told there's just one way to follow Jesus if there's a version of Christianity someone can accept why would we present them only with a version they have to reject um, and I think uh, I think you've done a really good job with that um, again I think I think this is a resource that I hope um, gets gets more traction Um because I think I think you have skillfully and fairly and accurately presented these different options, and, and even when you have presented your own, um, you know your own view, I didn't feel I feel like that adds to the book and, and not takes away from it. Because we see where you are, and but you're still able to hold conviction, some of them strongly, while showing grace and charity to others who um, who differ.
1: Thank you. And I always feel obliged in in strictly audio formats to clarify that when it says, I don't want to see Christians becoming nuns, that's N-O-N-E-S, as in no religious affiliation, not N-U-N-S. If you want to enter the monastic life, do that. (laughs) Um,
0: That's a good clarification. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. N-O-N-E-S. None of the above. Yes. Um, Well, very good. Uh, well, Bonnie, really appreciate you, um, reaching out to us and sending us your book. Uh, I think it's a wonderful resource and thanks for taking the time to, um, talk with us on here. Is there anything else that you, you want, uh, the listeners to know about you? Do you have, you know, what's your next book? What, what can we look forward to from you in the future?
1: Oh man. Um, well, I'm, I'm hopefully working on a, a second book that will be, um, significantly about cultivating like community and, and church community. Um, I get it just a little bit. In the um, chapter on different denominations, talking about uh, sort of the importance of um, it, church being something that, you know, has a, a real significant shape on your day to day life and is not just something you're doing on Sundays. Um, so it's that. It's also um, looking at community in sort of a broader sense um, of neighboring. And there have been a lot of books on that subject lately, but. What I hope to, to bring to it, and this sort of comes from um, more of the political writing that I tend to do, um, is looking at some of like the the history and policy of, of why are our neighborhoods the way they are, um, you know, like why do our, our cities look the way they do, why are people um, often, you know, like things like housing segregation, um, how ha- has that history and policy shaped the, the cities that we have today, and how can that knowledge help us to be Building our communities and being better neighbors, um, and and doing uh, church life more robustly in our day to day lives. So I'm I'm working on that. Um, it may not happen as quickly as I would like, as I'm expecting twins um, this spring. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> that's hopefully the the plan uh, sooner sooner than later.
0: Well, that sounds good. I look forward to hearing about that when it comes out. Uh, Folks, this has been Bonnie Christian. Her book is A Flexible Faith, Rethinking What It Means to Follow Jesus Today. Uh, Highly recommend it. This has been another episode of the Synergist Podcast, the most man-centered theology podcast on the internet by God's providence. We'll see you next time.